did could we possibly have than uh, a man like Dr. Macus who moved to Canada and then saves the lives of Canadians and Albertans? Um, it's amazing. But in his journey, he has uh, come up against uh, you know he's come up against this beast of bureaucracy that threatens to call out anything that uh, that or th- threatens to 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 stomp on anything that calls out their corruption. So that's why we're talking with having this chat with Dr. Macus today, because uh, at the Alberta Prosperity Project, we know that it's not only government that needs to change. It's this whole idea that bureaucracy can participate in corruption to the benefit of of themselves and leave Albertans behind. We're not okay with that, and we will never be okay with that. And so uh, we have conversations with men like Dr. Macus who have firsthand information about it. They're doing something about it, and we want to share that with you so that you know that something's being done and you can get involved as well. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Dr. William Macus to uh, this Alberta Prosperity Project webinar that is coincidentally entitled A Chat with Dr. Macus. So welcome. Thanks, Chris, for having me. My pleasure. Uh, we had you on the, on the Chris and Carrie show a couple weeks ago, and it was it was an amazing conversation. Uh, I you know, I, I didn't sleep as well that, that night as I usually do, because every, when we have these conversations, my, my brain just, it does not shut off. I keep thinking about this stuff over and over and over again. How are we going to fix it? What are we going to do? Is this, this beast we're fighting too big, those kinds of things, but it's good because, uh, the, the first step to fixing a problem is acknowledging that you have one. And uh, <laughs> I certainly have acknowledged that we have some problems here in this province. So I, I did mention that, uh, you chose Canada to the cancer program in Vancouver and have that as their monopoly. Justin Trudeau ended up investing $300 million into that program at BC Cancer, UBC, uh, in collaboration with the Trudeau government. So I ended up filing a lawsuit against Alberta Health Services in 2016. Uh, The College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta then uh, took my medical license hostage. Uh, They smeared me. They tried to have me declared mentally unfit to practice medicine. They've dragged me through courts. They've dragged me through tribunals. They've spent over $5 million trying to destroy me and my family and and basically bury me. And I'm still here. Um, I'm still fighting. And, you know, one one thing that was very interesting with the pandemic is that the corruption that existed in Alberta's healthcare system really got exposed during the COVID pandemic. And Albertans suddenly saw you know, AHS going to get court orders to, you know, arrest people like yourself, people like Arthur Pavlovsky. Uh, during the pandemic, the, the AHS came after Alberta citizens directly. We've seen the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta go after doctors, threaten doctors who are against vaccine mandates, threaten doctors who were speaking about, about vaccine injuries. So that's kind of thrown me into a bit of a bit of a spotlight in that I can talk about a lot of these things, but because uh, they took my license hostage years ago and forced me into an early retirement trying to get me to give up my lawsuits, they no longer have any leverage over me. So I can actually speak out about a lot of these things. And that brings up uh, an answer to a question. Well, I mean, I, I know the answer, but I'll ask it to you. Before that, uh, I want to back up just a second because some you, you said something that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, and this is to do with before you ever became a doctor. You said that when you your family moved to Canada. 
you were in government uh, housing? Yeah. So do, would you mind just taking a few minutes to explain um, what that was like for you and your family, what that meant for your family to have uh, a country like Canada uh, offer you that kind of fresh start? And like, what what did what did Canada do to help you and your family get your feet on the ground here? When we came uh, from the refugee camp in Yugoslavia, you know, we landed here. Um, we were put up um, in a government housing in, in East Toronto, and so we had, you know, we had we had shelter and and you know we had a little bit of money. Um, and my dad hit the ground running. You know, he he got a job uh, within within a within, within about a month. Uh, he managed to get an apartment for us also within about a month, and so we. You know, we had help from the Canadian government uh, to basically get out, get, get ourselves up and running, and and um, definitely, you know, my dad worked very hard to, you know, put us on a put put us on a strong footing, and and he started working almost right away, and so um, you know, we got a really we got a good start, and he always told me, you know, work hard work hard and everything everything's going to be fine and i've you know he followed that his entire life and and i've i've sort of followed that as well it's you know i call it the immigrant mentality right um as he, he always said work harder than anybody else and you're going to have success uh in a country like canada and you know for for the first uh, many years of my life that was true uh, of course recently um I found that you know working hard wasn't enough. Uh, you know you had to be politically connected. You had to, you know, you had to follow the bureaucracy, especially in healthcare. You you know you couldn't upset the bureaucrats. Uh, they didn't care if I worked hard. You know I was, I was reading the most petities in the province. I was I was uh, I had about four to five thousand cancer patients for diagnostic imaging a year. I treated about two, two hundred, two to three hundred cancer patients a year. I was doing the workload of two, three individuals, because when they got rid of me, they 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 tried to replace me with two to three individuals, and they couldn't save the program. Um, in reality, they wanted the cancer program shut down. But uh, I, I found out very quickly uh, here in Alberta that working hard is absolutely irrelevant. Uh, everything is politics, money, and politics, especially at Alberta Health Services. I, I've I've seen that as well. Now, the reason I asked you about your kind of early life here in Canada was because I wanted to highlight something. I wanted to make sure people were aware um, that when you and your family came here, a lot of people have this idea that Canada is just accepting a bunch of refugees and they don't do anything. They don't contribute. I've never believed that. I I think that uh, you know the Trudeau government probably doesn't do things the same way as they were done when your family got here, but uh, our this country has always accepted people who were different from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, um, and and as has Alberta. And I, I really want to make sure people know that a lot of most, I, I believe that most immigrants that come here, they want to work hard and do something good. Like if they didn't want to work and and have an opportunity to be prosperous, they probably wouldn't be leaving their lives behind in their in their home countries, right? So um, that that was something that really I was really interested in when we first talked. Was uh, you you mentioned your you have the kind of immigrant work ethic. Now there is there is a different kind of immigrant work ethic we're seeing in some areas, but I think for the most part, uh, it's mostly what you're describing. You want to work hard, you want to do well, you want to succeed. And while nobody's perfect, everybody 
you know, we all have our, our, our strengths and our weaknesses, knowing that there's people like you who wanted to do the things you're doing and specifically in medicine. Um, that's a really, really cool thing. And it kind this, this whole, this whole concept kind of ties into a question that I've received on my page after our, our interview. And that is, uh, there was somebody who was saying that I only interview doctors who are under investigation or have been relieved of their duties. Now, why in the world would a successful physician um, who's doing good work be relieved of their duties within AHS? Why, why, why would that happen in this case? Did you do something terribly wrong? Did you, you know, did you read scans improperly? Was your, 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 your physician um, performance poor? What was the reason? I've never had a poor performance evaluation in my in my career ever. Um, in fact, um, at, at AHS, I actually have excellent uh, performance evaluations from my AHS managers. Now, of course, they they uh, when they were trying to get rid of me at the very end, you know, they were they spent six months going to my colleagues, begging them uh, to file a complaint, even file a complaint anonymously. They even offered uh, a couple of them. Uh, promotions. Uh, one technologist was actually offered a promotion to an AHS manager, and she received it, although, you know, she she didn't quite file a formal complaint. I've never had a, a complaint about patients, even though I've read tens of thousands of radiology scans in the province. I've treated hundreds of cancer patients. I had over 1,500 cancer patient visits that I had done in two years at Cross Cancer Institute. Never had a complaint about from uh, patients. I uh, never had a complaint about patient care. When AHS wants to get rid of somebody, um, in my case, and I and I believe they had done it several times before because they seemed very experienced at doing it, they frame you with a fraudulent complaint. They did it to Dr. Dennis Modry. I don't know if you've ever spoken to Dr. Dennis Modry. I don't really know if he can speak out about it because he was involved in a legal battle with AHS um, and my understanding was that they wanted to put him in an early retirement, his AHS managers, and they framed him with completely fraudulent uh, complaint about surgical complications, saying that, you know, he had surgical complications beyond the average, which was false. They even fabricated documents to try to frame him with this. They were caught doing it. And so AHS really... Um, there's no law that they won't break to try to get rid of an, an individual. And, 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 you know, they could have done it in a much easier way. They could have simply let me work. They could have let me run out my contract with AHS. They could have said, we were not renewing your contract. Goodbye. And I would have had no legal recourse. Instead, they dragged me out about 10 months before the end of my contract uh, they took me out of my environment and they and they framed me with a fraudulent complaint. They framed also me with a fraudulent complaint at the college to attack my medical license. So all of this is documented. And this is what AHS does when they want to get rid of someone for whatever reason is they'll simply frame you. And if they have nothing on you, they'll just make it up. They'll 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 fabricate documents. They'll fabricate complaints. They'll just make things up. As you said that, as you described that, I had this image in my mind, and um, what you just described sounds to me something like like this. So AHS, rather than allowing you to 
return home in your car and then come there and have a conversation with you or ask you to turn yourself into the police station and arrest you in a civilized manner. They stop you in the middle of a busy highway and drag you down the street, drag you down the highway in the rain um, like is done in third world countries or behind the Iron Curtain. I'm sure you know what I'm referring to. And listening to you describe that probably because of your accent uh, and, and your and and knowing you know where you grew up and what you've seen, um, that really that's what I saw when I heard about that. So AHS they did this in the in the most dare I say Gestapo way possible, rather than being civilized and uh, and doing it right. And we've seen that a lot. I mean they they sent should I say villains? <laughs> I don't I don't really talk like that, but I I'm hearing. Uh, Pastor Polowski in my head right now. They sent men to my restaurant who told me they had all the authority, all the authority over me. They didn't need a judge, didn't need a court. I didn't get a day in court. They had the authority to seize my building, seize my property, seize my business. All the authority. And they did that in the most disgusting way possible. You know, they they showed up at my 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 business at 5:30 in the morning when I wasn't there. Um, when it was one of my, uh, you know, a young lady cook that I had was there by herself and they intimidated her. They bullied her. They said that they were going to, um, arrest her if she tried to call me to tell me what was going on. It was absolutely disgusting the way they did things. And now I've seen their emails about it. I've read their internal emails, uh, with the RCMP and with other agencies, how they were going to deal with me how they were going to treat me and uh and having seen that stuff it really solidified my resolve in that we have to make sure that people like you can share their stories so that the people that are doing this to to good folks good albertans are held accountable because in in your instance i mean how how do you think that or what would you say was the impact on albertans and on the health and welfare of albertans with what AHS did to you and having uh, the the shuffle within the Cross Cancer Institute and shutting down that program, what was the impact to Alberta? Was it was it a positive impact? You think? Well, I, I've 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 gone over my records because I actually I want to file a um, I want to file an affidavit, a sworn affidavit, because I have a court date coming up um, on January 18th when I'm trying to have AHS declared abusers of the court and vexatious litigants. And I wanted to see how many of my patients were impacted. And they left about 2,450 of my patients either to die or be left without adequate access to, to proper cancer imaging and proper cancer treatment. Uh, the imaging wait times skyrocketed when they got rid of me because I was reading over a 1,000 PET-CT scans a year. Then they had to remove several radiologists, uh, cancer radiologists from their duties of reading CTs and MRIs, and they had to put them in my position to try to make up uh, for what I was reading. And as we know, the the the, the wait times for, for CTs and MRIs have, have skyrocketed 
Uh, so they damaged uh, cancer uh, imaging and radiology in the province. And then they left a lot of cancer patients to die. These were stage four cancer patients who had no other treatment options and they didn't care. And when, when you refer to these individuals in, 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 you know, in the brutal manner in which they behave towards Albertans, uh, they acted that way towards me. They acted that way towards my patients. Uh, the, the leadership at AHS, for the most part, behave like psychopaths. Um, and I, you know, and I don't use that word lightly, but they really behave like psychopaths. They are extremely arrogant. They see themselves as leaders of the province. To them, someone like Jason Kenney is a nobody. They make fun of Jason Kenney behind his back. In fact, I was informed uh, by insiders that they were laughing, uh, saying that that basically Jason Kenney was not going to touch them when Jason Kenney came to power in 2019. And sure enough, as we saw, Jason Kenney didn't dare to fire a single a high-level AHS official until the very end, he made some kind of a deal with Verna Yu, where you know she walks away with um, basically another seven hundred thousand dollar job, where she's carefully parachuted uh, from being an AHS CEO under Rachel Notley. She was carefully made a vice president of University of Alberta with another another seven hundred thousand dollar job. She signs non disclosure agreements, which even Rachel Notley was demanding that that non disclosure agreement be released to the public and, and so these people are extremely arrogant they get 23 billion dollars a year from the provincial government to play with they tell the provincial government to take a hike they don't give any kind of financial statements to the provincial government to show the government what they do with the money uh, they they handle the money as they see fit and they see it as their own own money they're on the record um, under oath stating that this is our revenue and we're going to do with this money what we please and this is taxpayer money and they see it as their own money and that, so these, that was in reference to uh the pro the the likelihood of them having to pay out a doctor um because of some some sort of thing they how did that go they said well you know that's that whatever 15 million dollars is nothing we have a revenue of whatever you know. Yeah, it was it was uh, Dr. Robert Nordal. They dragged him out of Tom Baker cancer while he was performing a procedure on a patient. He was a radiation oncologist. He was similar to me, but he 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 was all, he also treated uh, cancer patients, but he treated with uh, external beam radiation therapy. They dragged him out of Tom Baker Cancer Center in 2016. Uh, they paid him out the rest of his contract, so they didn't they didn't even bother framing him with um, with a fake complaint. They paid him out whatever five six hundred thousand dollars. And then they said, get out of here. And, and he refused. He refused to go. He fought for his hospital privileges for four years. And during those four years of this multi-million dollar legal battle that AHS paid out of taxpayer funds, uh, AHS executive, the head of AHS Cancer Care, Dr. Matthew Parliament, said, we have revenues of over $15 billion. And if we need to pay out this doctor that we sabotaged, then we have more than enough money to, to pay him out and, and shut him up. And uh, the court actually ruled that AHS had to take him back to work and he got to keep his lawsuit against AHS. And none of this gets reported in the media. What, this, this is something that really amazed me in my six-year battle with AHS is that none of the scandals that happen at AHS are ever reported in the media. 
And, you know, I've gotten into, I've been attacked by Licia Corbella. I've been attacked by uh, Ryan Jesperson. Uh, I've been attacked by Charles Russell, CBC investigative reporter, Jenny, Jenny Russell, CBC investigative reporter. These people have attacked me, smeared me, and they keep all of these AHS scandals quiet. They've basically made sure that Rachel Notley completely went uh, unscathed in all the scandals that she committed at AHS. They've protected Rachel Notley. They protected Sarah Hoffman so that Albertans don't know what kind of scandals Rachel Notley and Sarah Hoffman got themselves into at AHS. Wow. Um, it, you know, this, I keep, I keep saying that the, the power structure protects the power structure. They've set things up so that they can do what they want. They can operate with impunity. Uh, they can do these things to people and not be held accountable. But we're changing that. We're going to change it. We have to change it. And here's here's how bad it's got. Uh, I, I actually got a phone call today. Now, this isn't to do with AHS, but uh, this is to do with unions and the NDP and the relationship between the two and how it affects politics in Alberta. So I got an email today from a lady who said, now this is an allegation at this point, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it, that she re received an email from her union. And the email, with very thinly veiled wording, said, if you don't vote for the NDP, you don't get your raise, and you don't get this, and you don't get that. Like, this is the kind of things that are happening in this province. And the corruption, it seems like it's, it, it's almost so deep that we're drowning in it. Now, uh, I will say that I've reached out to this lady for more information, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to find uh, this email or letter or whatever from these unions, and I'm going to publish it, and I'm going to make sure people know about it. Uh, but that stuff has to come out, because that's how these things are, that's how this stuff is done. So the union that the certain healthcare workers uh, work for, or are, or, 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 oh my goodness, are members of is supported by a provincial party, the NDP in this case. They have, um, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours relationships. They move money around, they do things, they support each other, however, in whatever way they do. And it it's not to the benefit of Alberta. This is benefiting, you know, people who want to be rich and powerful and impose laws on people that make them more rich and more powerful. So I guess, with saying that, what's what is your view on how we deal with this stuff? Like how how do we fix this huge problem that we have, um, and it, or at least the very least get to the bottom of things and make sure that this stuff isn't happening? All the healthcare unions in Alberta have a very very tight relationship with Alberta NDP, whether it's uh, HSAA, whether it's QPE, AUPE, um, the 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 nurses union. You know, in fact, I was stalked when I when I had a Twitter account. I was stalked by a by a vice president of the nurses union, David Harrigan, and he used to attack me viciously all the time um, online, try to smear me, try to defame me, really on behalf of NDP. So so there's this really tight relationship between the health health unions. And NDP, the the union bosses, uh, you know, are extremely well paid. They, they I think they all make over three hundred thousand dollars each. 
Um, and, and we see online, uh, you know, they're extremely supportive of NDP. Um, and, you know, what, I, what I've seen is that they support the power structure at Alberta Health Services. They support the power structure at, at the colleges, whether it's the nursing college, whether it's the physician college. Um, the unions really abandoned their members during the pandemic. I was contacted by dozens and dozens of nurses when AHS came out with their draconian vaccine mandate, COVID vaccine mandate, and tried to implement the COVID vaccine mandate on all 105,000 healthcare workers. And many healthcare workers did not want the vaccine at all. In fact, mm -hmm. um, when AHS CEO Verna Yu, who's a close friend of Rachel Notley, who was hired by Rachel Notley, who was given as an obscene $700,000 salary by Rachel Notley, when she unilaterally tried to implement this vaccine mandate last year, only 68% of all Alberta healthcare workers complied after a month and gave their vaccine status. About 34, uh, sorry, 32% of healthcare workers didn't. And then AHS did something extremely dirty is, is that they, they basically threatened those people. They threatened their jobs. They put a lot of them on a casual status. So they took them out of their full-time status or part-time status, put them on casual status, and they got rid of a lot of those people. And what they then claimed was they claimed that they had 92% vaccine uptake in their full-time and part-time workers, but they got rid of everyone who did not want to submit their vaccine status. And you know what the unions did? Absolutely nothing. The unions uh, lined up behind NDP. Rachel Notley said that every nurse and every healthcare worker who isn't vaccinated must be fired, that healthcare workers who are unvaccinated have no business being in the hospitals. They have no business treating patients in long-term care homes, um, working in the labs and so on. Rachel Notley hasn't deleted these tweets. Those tweets are still up there in her history. Uh, she was very, very vicious towards unvaccinated healthcare workers, and the unions completely abandoned all their healthcare workers. And I saw when people contacted me, they they were desperate. They they were they didn't know who to turn to because they said my union abandoned me. Um, you know, the union offered them no assistance at all. And a lot of good nurses were pushed into an early retirement. Some left Alberta and some had to take a vaccine that they did not want to take. So there is this very, um, there's this very questionable relationship between the healthcare unions in, Alber in Alberta and NDP. I know there's a lot of money involved, that uh, there's a lot of financial support that NDP gets from the unions. I think that needs to be looked into. I think Jason Kenney tried to look into that, and I don't know how successful that was, but there's definitely an element of money that, that seems to run this relationship. And it's not good for Albertans, and it's certainly not even good for the union members themselves, uh, many of whom, thousands of whom were damaged and harmed um, when, you know, the vaccine mandates were pushed last year. Uh, and, you know, what happened to those nurses and the doctors that tried to uh, take AHS to court over this? I know that there were four, four doctors who had um, filed some sort of legal action 
against AHS. Eventually, AHS dropped the vaccine. Man it took about six months. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, it's a moot point, right? And yeah, all, and so the so they they pretended they pretended they dropped the vaccine mandate, and then then that makes the legal action basically, like you said, a moot point. So that gets withdrawn. However, I've been informed that AHS is actually circumventing this uh, the situation so that officially they don't have a vaccine mandate on the books, but they're not making jobs available uh, that don't require uh, you to be fully vaccinated. Uh, so right, jobs, whatever that means, right? Because yeah, fully so vaccinated that, so at one point was two jobs. Exactly. So now I don't know. I don't know if it's three jabs or four jabs that they're requiring, but they're basically not making jobs available because I've been asked by, um, you know, by nurses in other provinces. And they said, look, I still can't work in Alberta. And I said, well, you know, how come uh, the mandate, uh, the vaccine mandate was supposed to be removed? And they said, yeah, but AHS is not posting any positions that don't require you to have X number of COVID vaccine shots. And so we're back to the same corruption at AHS where these uh, AHS executives are doing whatever the heck they want. Um, all, all the AHS executives are still not lease executives. Uh, Danielle Smith has just fired the AHS board. Interestingly, that was Jason Kenney's AHS board. It seems to have been Jason Kenney was trying to get a way of, of control uh, through the board. So he actually spent three years putting his own people on the AHS board, but the AHS board had very little power. And I don't know if Jason Kenney knew this or not, but the, the AHS board was really created by NDP to rubber stamp decisions of the AHS executives, all of whom are not least people. These are not least people that she hired. And I can go, you know, I can go over them one by one and tell you exactly when Notley hired them. So a couple know, points I better, I better speak to you before I forget. Uh, the first one is I shouldn't have lumped doctors into my question there. What I was actually getting at is um, nurses and any members of unions uh, were told basically, sorry, you can't sue. You have to go to your union. And oh, yeah. they're like, well, what do you mean? My employer is doing something that's illegal. It's violating my charter rights and freedoms. And I need to take them to court. And they said, no, it doesn't work that way. Because you're a member of the union, um, the union has to advocate for you. And if they don't do it, then tough luck. Too bad right. for you. That's right. And the no. unions didn't, and the unions didn't advocate for their for their members at all. I know they just left them; uh, they basically left them high and dry. That's 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 unbelievable. Um, I, I should point out there was somebody who put a comment up, and they didn't want their information shared, but it was somebody who is uh, close to these things within Alberta Health Services. And she has seen the same things. And she just wanted to um, make sure that you knew that she is she's affirming what you've said. Um, she's also said that she has been made aware of instances where AHS has threatened to bring fraudulent uh, allegations against employees or contract workers if they don't comply or fall in line. So yeah. this isn't this isn't something that's only from you. Um, I've received dozens and dozens of emails from people. Uh, with this kind of inf information. So uh, I guess the the whole reason I'm saying that is, and I, I know you already know this, but you're you're not alone. There's a lot of people in the same situation as you. And I imagine them, most of them are probably scared, like they're scared stiff about this because this is their livelihoods. This is their careers. Um, you, When this started happening to you, 
you were kind of at the point where you were, you could consider retirement. I, I is that what I remember? Or? Not really. Um, I mean, I'm 43 years old, so I should. Oh, you're the I, same age as me. I literally have, uh, you know, I should have another 30 years ahead of me. And that's another thing that I think AHS messed up is um, when they went after Dr. Dennis Modri, um, they wanted to force him into retirement. And I, and I don't want to speak, you know, on his behalf, uh, you know, I mean, he can share his story if he wants to. I'm just sort of, you know, relating to you what I know. Um, and, and what happened was they framed him, they got caught framing him. And in the end, uh, I believe, you know, they had to make that up for him somehow um, financially. But, um, you know, they'd spend millions of dollars trying to force him into an early retirement. I'm 43 years old. I've got another 30 years ahead of me. So with AHS destroying my medical career, the damages that they are on the hook for are are are, are astronomical. And, you know, they, they've smeared me. They've damaged my reputation. The college has taken my license hostage. They threatened my family. They threatened my children. They said, we will make sure you can never practice medicine anywhere else again. And I went for a lot of job interviews. I've interviewed at Stanford. I interviewed at uh, John Hopkins. Uh, I interviewed at Memorial Sloan Kettering, big ca cancer centers uh, in New York, uh, all over the States. And whenever I would show up, there would be a phone call that would be made. And, uh, you know, the interviewers would start acting very different. And I realized that, okay, uh, AHS is true to their word. Uh, you know, AHS seems to have tentacles that extend far beyond Alberta. And they kept their promise. They made sure that I couldn't get a job anywhere else, uh, really, in the world. So um, it's a forced retirement. It's not something that I, you know, that I that I took on willingly. But what they want to do is that they basically they're holding my medical license hostage. They're still holding my license hostage. They have they spent over five million dollars in legal fees to try to put me into bankruptcy. They filed 13 fraudulent court applications. And Danielle Smith knows this. She knows that AHS is committing horrific, horrific crimes. They've killed over 2,000 of my patients or seriously injured them over the past seven years. Everybody knows this. Jason Kenney knew this. Jason Kenney's health minister, Tyler Shandron, knew this. They were all fully aware. And you know what they told me? They said, oh, uh, sorry, Dr. Mackis, we can't do much about AHS because it would be bad optics during the pandemic. I thought really bad optics, like you've got, you know, billions of dollars disappearing at AHS that can't be accounted for and corruption uh, top to bottom throughout the AHS organizational structure. And you're talking to me about optics, optics during the pandemic. What the hell's wrong with you? And honestly, like if I was face to face with Jason Kenney and Tyler Shandro, I will tell them what the hell is wrong with you guys. Uh, why did you abandon Albertans during the pandemic? Because that's what they did. They abandoned Albertans during the pandemic and they allowed politicians. AHS not just to abuse someone like myself. They allowed AHS to abuse Alberta, regular Alberta citizens, you know, people like yourself, restaurant owners, cafe owners, Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky um, and other pastors. You know, how is it possible that HS was allowed to abuse, to jail regular Alberta citizens? Like that, that to me is still, I, I don't understand to this day how they had the power to do that. Well, when David Brown looked me in my eyes and from behind his mask told me that he had all the authority, 
he was right. AHS has been given that kind of authority to make decisions um, to take our rights and freedoms away without having without us having our day in court. Um, they can get injunctions against us without us being present. We don't get the chance to face our accusers in court. They can do all of these extremely damaging things, destroy lives, destroy businesses. And then maybe a year later, two years later, five years later, they go to court and the person that they were acting against is successful. And, oh, yeah, HS shouldn't have done that. Well, oops, we did it already. The damage has already been done. Same thing with you. I mean, the damage is done. So now, oh, our system isn't supposed to work like this. And I sincerely apologize to you on behalf of Canadians. Like, this is not how the system is supposed to work. You are supposed to be able to um, have your privileges, rights, freedoms, all of those things protected. And, and you're supposed to be able to, to advocate for yourself and defend yourself in court before these things are done to you. That's the way it's supposed to be in Canada. And it hasn't been like that in a very, very long time. So I like I apologize. And this is li listening to Arthur talk. These kind of things were very common and actually out in the open in, in Poland behind the Iron Curtain. I imagine they probably were in Czechoslovakia as well. Yeah. You know, I listened um, to Arthur talk as well. Uh, we had that event in Grand Prairie and um recently and you know it, it just it just reminded me um i actually didn't know how badly ahs had treated him and what they've put him through it, it's it's it's, it's actually wild. much it's much worse than i than i even realized than i realized it was and and it's absolutely you know and and you know the way he says it, it, it you know people might think that he's exaggerating or that you know it, it's something you know unbelievable but you know, it's it's happening. It's it's. I've seen AHS do absolutely horrific things, and these people, you know, what emboldens AHS executives to do this kind of thing? It's not just the money that they handle and that they see themselves as stewards of half of the provincial budget, but they've never faced consequences. There has never been an AHS executive that has been brought uh, for any charges of corruption any charge of um, you know, money laundering or, or wasting taxpayer funds, losing taxpayer funds. I saw two AHS directors directly steal funds, uh, patient care funds from the physician budget. In my department, they pay themselves five, six, $700,000 salaries and they wouldn't show up at work. And they would say, well, that, this is my administrative uh, salary. And, and then basically they would, they would just steal the money outright. And, uh, you know, we were kept short staffed. So in our radiology department, we were short staffed by two people. And when we tried to get someone to come and cover for that, AHS told us that money's missing, that money's gone. And don't ask any questions where that money's gone. So I know for a fact that millions and millions of dollars go missing at AHS. There's 3,132 AHS managers that massage th these uh, budgets of uh, the hospitals and hospital departments, money goes missing all the time. And these people never face any consequences for their actions. That's why they can act the way they do uh, with impunity, because no one has ever held them accountable. Uh, certainly Rachel Notley didn't hold them accountable. Rachel Notley kept throwing money at them. I mean, it was under Rachel Notley that Verna Yu reached her $700,000 salary 
where she had started off, you know, at three or four hundred thousand dollars, and by the end of Rachel Notley's term, she's collecting seven hundred thousand dollars with bonuses, as are all her other uh, HS executive friends, including Dr. Mark Jaffe, who, uh, you know, unfortunately Daniel Smith now just uh, appointed to replace Hinshaw. He was a Rachel Notley HS executive who was making obscene amounts of money as well. So these people don't face any accountability, and that has to change because their behavior is not going to change. Um, you know, if if they're if 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 they don't face consequences, they'll just keep doing what they've always been doing. This is uh, it's taxation without representation, is what's going on there. I have in my email um, dozens, possibly hundreds of emails now from AHS workers with stories like this. I have pictures of warehouses filled with expired uh, stuff that was ordered for the pandemic, um, copies of AHS internal emails where they just extended the best before dates because they didn't want to lose all this stuff. But the amount of money that was spent was absolutely hideous, hideous. Like they talk about not being able to afford to pay doctors and nurses a little bit more. But the waste that goes on within that organization, because they're not accountable, and this is going to uh, bring up a question afterwards, but the waste that happens is mind-blowing. I got a phone call from somebody that worked in maintenance. And um, they were telling me about how years ago, AHS had mothballed a facility, a perfectly good facility, but they kept it, they kept it in a, 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 a they didn't like, drain all the water and do all that kind of stuff. They kept the heat on, they kept the power on. The building was sat there for like 15 years. Somebody goes and mows the lawn, they clear the snow, they do all these things. Um, finally, they decide they're going to build this new facility to replace that facility. So they build this facility and they order these rooftop HVAC units, 50 or maybe they're a hundred thousand bucks a piece. I can't remember exactly what, what it was, but it's a big number. Uh, anyway, they get them up on the roof, they lower them down, they don't fit. They're the wrong size HVAC units. So these HVAC units go and they sit in a warehouse in Red Deer. And they get new ones and they install them and all is good. Uh, those HVAC units sat in the warehouse for something like three years. And one day, somebody came to the warehouse, one of the senior logistics guys or whatever. What are these doing here? They're in the way we need the space. And so it was explained what they were. You know what happened to them? They went to the scrap bin. They were hauled away for scrap iron. Brand spanking new 50 or $100,000 uh, rooftop HVAC units went to the scrap bin because AHS is so okay with that kind of waste. It doesn't matter to them. Nobody will ever know. And if they do know, nobody's ever going to hold them accountable. Now, if that's what we know about, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is a tip of the iceberg kind of thing. And what we know is probably less than 10% of what actually goes on. So these are some mind-blowing numbers. Now, if you factor in corruption or the idea of possible corruption, why would AHS not care that they had to order these HVAC units? Well, who do they order them from? Are they supporters? Do they donate to the NDP? Do they donate to the unions? Like when you when you start asking these questions and following the money, all of a sudden, this it's a Pandora's box. Once you open it and once you see what's inside, you cannot unsee it and you're forced to act. And I think that's why a lot of times our politicians are unwilling to do this because that becomes a lot of work, 
a ton of work. Minister Shandro, um, I don't like that guy, but I do know he's a smart guy. And if he did take on something like this and do this with the abilities he has to the benefit of Albertans, it would probably be successful, but he doesn't do it because they don't want to do the work. So this, this brings up a question here, and it's actually the second question. I'll get back to the first one after. Um, how can we hold AHS accountable? How do we do that? Well, yeah, I mean, you've you've sort of nailed it on the head. You need to have a government that is willing to take them on and put in the work. Now, I'm going to say something that, you know, might seem a little bit controversial. <laughs> I like I controversy. Any... I'm the most controversial person in Alberta. One thing I realized when I um, pursued my lawsuits against AHS is that although the most corrupt leaders of AHS and the college were given gigantic contracts by Rachel Notley's NDP, these people had been there long before, which means that over several consecutive conservative governments, these same individuals made millions of dollars disappear. They did exactly what you say. They gave contracts to their friends. They uh, they wasted obscene amounts of money. And so I got the sense that if you took any of these individuals on, if you're if you're the government, and let's say you're Jason Kenney, and you're going to take these people on, suddenly you realize that if you take these people down, many of them did corrupt things under previous conservative governments. Mm -hmm. And now you're, you're potentially taking down corrupt criminals who have ties to people who funded your political campaign, who have funded you politically, who have supported you politically because they committed these crimes under several conservative governments as well. When you look at someone like Verna Yu, and I, and I mentioned Verna Yu because she's the most well-known AHS executives. There are many others, but let's, let's stick with Verna Yu. Verna Yu doesn't just show up in 2015 and get a beautiful, you know, six, $700,000 contract, five-year contract from Rachel Notley to run AHS. She actually shows up in the AHS executive as early as 2010. Now, how many premiers have we been through between 2010 uh, in 2015, there were several conservative premiers, right? You have uh, Stelmack, you have Hancock, you have Prentice. And so now you realize that, oh, wait a minute, Verna Yu was engaging in corruption under several conservative governments. Before well, that's no, that's no secret. This is not a right signed, or left thing. Yeah, before she signed a huge contract with Rachel Notley's government. So is this why? Is this basically, you know, this unwillingness of the conservative government to tackle corruption at AHS, is it because they have their hands dirty as well? Uh, now, I don't know anything, you know, I can't make any kind of accusations against Jason Kenney or Shandro or the, or the political uh, supporters, the wealthy supporters that back them. But I can tell you, I know a lot of corrupt uh, AHS executives that uh, were given huge contracts under Rachel Notley that were engaging in corruption under conservative governments. Um, they're tied to wealthy individuals, uh, pharmaceutical companies, construction companies in Calgary. Was Jason Kenney told back off 
don't you dare touch AHS because these are our friends. And if you go after them, you're going after our people, our friends. And really, is this, you know, one of the reasons why Jason Kenney basically backstabbed Albertans, uh, went back on all his promises during the pandemic, and, and really acted as if AHS was in charge, um, you know, with AHS going around arresting civilians for violating some bogus lockdown orders. And this is all coming from AHS. And then Jason Kenney is acting like he has no control over any of this, right? So I think the problem is, is that uh, the corruption goes both ways. The corruption runs both with NDP and the conservatives, at least the conservatives, I call it the conservatives of old or the conservatives of the pre-Notley era. And, you know, this is a problem because, you know, how much of Kenny's cabinet was infected by this corruption um, at AHS that goes back a decade ago, uh, for example, right? And and are these people now in Danielle Smith's inner circle whispering in her ear, telling her, hey, uh, you know, you've made some big promises about uh, AHS and the college, but back off. These are all our friends and we're going we're gonna to withdraw our support um, if you try to touch our corrupt friends at, at AHS and the college and so on. So I don't know the answers to these questions, but, you know, I've seen enough to be able to to say what I'm saying. You know what I'd like to see, and this would paint a very uh, a very interesting picture. I would like to see three levels of follow the money. So what I mean to say is, AHS pays contractor A five hundred thousand dollars to do something. Uh, that's one level. Contractor A hires contractor B to do two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of work. Contractor B, uh, at the third level, makes a, you know, fund does a fundraiser or somehow moves a whole bunch of money into a political political party or makes a huge donation to a union. That's what I'd want to see. So, what if the government? What if our current government, in the interest of uh, transparency, which the United Conservative Party is all about, apparently, what if they said, okay? We're going to audit all of the contractors that receive money from Alberta Health Services. We're going to audit the second level of contractors that they used. And we're going to go through this with a fine-tooth comb and find out who made donations to the unions, uh, the college, or any other of these organizations that have been used to silence doctors, uh, bully people into line, that kind of thing. That's what I want to see. And I don't know. The, the CRA can phone me and they can ask me about a receipt from 2018 for a meal that I expensed as a business meeting. And they can ask me if I, uh, why I didn't make any notes on the receipt that we talked about business. If they can do that, do you think a, some sort of a, a agency in Canada or Alberta could do this type of audit and give Albertans the truth about what's happening with their money? that would be accountability it can absolutely be done um you know any kind of forensic investigation a financial forensic investigation you can hire independent investigators i mean this can be done that this money can be tracked and i think that the the more important question is why hasn't it been done we know that ndp is obviously in bed with ahs in fact no one defended the actions of AHS during the pandemic more than Rachel Notley and her friends. 
and oh, her, disgusting uh, NDP friends. I mean, anything that comes up about AHS, Rachel Notley is the first one defending them, which kind of blows my mind. But but at least you know people can see it for themselves. Uh, and Rachel Notley wants no accountability at AHS at all. Uh, all she's promising is to throw more money at AHS and probably at the AHS managers and executives whom she so lavishly funded when she was in government. Uh, but the real question is, why did Jason Kenney waste three years uh, of, of a majority government and do absolutely nothing about AHS? He could have tracked where the money is going. Um, he could have done these uh, forensic investigations. He had three years. He did absolutely nothing. And then at the end of his of his term, when he's forced to resign, he starts complaining that, oh, you know, we gave AHS money for ICU beds and they didn't give us any ICU beds. And and, you know, AHS was lying to us about the, you know, the pandemic and, you know, the hospitals being filled with uh, the unvaccinated, which was which was completely not true. Uh, and, you know, he's complaining at the very end. He had three years. He had three years that he could have really uh, grabbed AHS, done some serious investigations. And if he had exposed even some of the corruption that was going on, even 5% of the corruption that was going on, he would have been a lot more popular. He, he would probably still be premier. And he would have buried uh, any chances that Rachel Notley had in 2023 if he started exposing some of the money that went missing under Notley's government. I mean, heck, he, he even has access to my lawsuits, uh, other doctors' lawsuits, um, you know, all the all the things that um all the nurses that AHS has gone after. Um, he has all this information and he he didn't use it. Uh, he sat on it and he decided to turn a blind eye. Um, maybe he tried to make some deals for himself within AHS. We saw that at the last minute, he tried to sneak in a surgical um, initiative that he was involved in, sort of a private, semi-private surgical surgery initiative that he was involved in. So maybe he was trying to, you know, um, help his friends. Uh, Jack Mintz was on the AHS board. He had some contract, pandemic contract that he had received from the government. So who knows, maybe maybe Jason Kenney got his hands too dirty to do this kind of cleanup. But, you know, we have a chance um, under Danielle Smith. And Danielle Smith, as you can see, she's being attacked by the unions. She's being attacked, obviously, by, by Notley, by the media, which has been supportive of AHS corruption throughout. Um, so really, there's no reason for Danielle Smith not to take a hard stance with AHS and say, okay, you know what, let's investigate where, you know, we're giving AHS uh, $23 billion every year. Let's, um, you know, let's track that money. Let's see where that money goes. Or even better, um, why don't you just start cleaning up AHS, start firing these executives, confiscate their computers, confiscate their hard drives. Let's see what what uh, what they've been doing for the last three, four, five years. Where has all the money gone? What kind of contracts have they been awarding? Did Albertans get, you know, their money's worth from these contracts? And um, so that's something that I'd like to see. And I think it's a great opportunity for Danielle Smith because Albertans want to know whether where their money's going, uh, what mm -hmm. AHS has been doing with this money. And if there's corruption, I think Albertans want to know about it. Well, we, we do want to know, but that's that brings up the um, a, a potential answer to why did Jason Kenney not do anything? I, I think I how I think I know the reason. I think it's because 
Had it not been for the pandemic, Jason Kenney probably would have been a, a superb premier in Alberta. He said all the right things. He was saying he was going to fix all the things that Albertans were concerned about. Um, he rode around in a blue pickup truck, you know, wore a cowboy hat, flips pancakes. He, I think he would have been fantastic. But the problem is uh, when you have an issue like this pandemic or any other, or, you know, call it what you want. I know there's people probably yelling at the screen now. It wasn't a pandemic. Call it what you want. This issue, this, this event, you need real leadership. You, politicians can't deal with that. Politicians, they look at what's going on in their, in their constituency and they do whatever they think is going to get them the most votes, get them reelected. They don't, they're not leaders. They don't, they're not charging forth in battle and leading us on to, you know, to, to a victory. They're doing, always doing the safe thing, what they think is going to get them reelected. Now, opening up a Pandora's box of healthcare is very risky politically because a lot of those people who are going to be implicated, as you've suggested, may very well be party to the corruption. So I, I don't think a lot of politicians would necessarily want to do that. But with what's happened in the last three years, now Albertans are demanding answers. We're demanding accountability. And, and really, our politicians don't have much choice to deal with this and deal with it now, right? Um, we have, as you said, a unique opportunity with some a premier who seems very fierce in her idea that, you know, the government should be acting in the best interest of Albertans. And my part of this is I want to know truth about certain things so we know exactly which path we have to take. I want to know the truth about how the government managed COVID and what could have been done better and was it the right path. I want to know the truth about this vaccine that's out there and is it causing harm to people? Is it worthwhile? And is it something the government should be advocating for? I want to know the truth because we don't have the truth right now. These conversations have never happened. We've just been told, oh, trust the science, trust your politicians, trust trust your doctor. Don't ask questions, comply, comply, comply. But that does not get us through this sort of thing. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future brings here because uh, you know, Alberta is, the stage is set in Alberta for, for us as a province and as people to be global leaders in, in, in truth and, and doing what we know is right, doing the right thing, taking the right path, not just the political path. Yeah. And, and honestly, another, another thing I would add is uh, I want to know what kind of international pressures uh, Jason Kenney and the healthcare leaders uh, faced during the pandemic, because Verna Yu, when she came out with the vaccine mandate, she came out with this unilaterally, and she was in lockstep with deadlines that were uh, the same deadlines in other places in Canada, in the United States, in Europe, even in places in Africa. You know, you had this sort of an international rollout of vaccine mandates of healthcare workers, of city workers, of police officers, of firemen, that was really international. It was so, it was a WHO um, uh, initiative. Exactly, and and that's you know that's what I would want to know is who was giving instructions to our healthcare leaders to pursue 
you know, these kind of draconian things like the vaccine mandate at AHS, you know, with uh, with Hinshaw suddenly introducing uh, vaccine passports uh, when Kenny said that we would never have vaccine passports in Alberta. And a few months later, you know, they're rolling out vaccine passports, right? So um, I think I'm hoping we've, we're through the worst of it. Whatever international pressures were made on Alberta, uh, it seems that Jason Kenney succumbed to the pressure and allowed, you know, these international entities to have their way in Alberta, just they had just as they had their way in every single province. I'm not singling out Alberta at all. We saw you know, the vaccines aggressively rolled out across Canada. We saw the vaccine mandates uh, being enforced all across Canada, uh, you know, the various lockdowns and so on. You know, that 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 wasn't at the provincial level. Those instructions came from from a different place. Um, hopefully we're through the worst of that. Uh, like you said, Kenny showed absolutely no leadership during that time. And, um, you know, now we see the tide is turning internationally, we're seeing a lot more vaccine injuries. We're seeing uh, sudden deaths in record numbers. Uh, you know, I talk about the Canadian doctors that are dying in record numbers. But, um, you know, the number one cause of death in Alberta is unknown, these sudden unknown deaths. And that's that's unacceptable. And it should be unacceptable, that's unacceptable. to everybody. Absolutely. So uh, and now, you know, we're seeing the censorship on social media crumbling, right? You've got Elon Musk, who took over uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter had become an absolute cesspool of, of censorship, uh, especially when it came to um, vaccine, COVID vaccine injuries and deaths. Uh, any, any doctor or scientist who spoke up about the dangers of the vaccines was silenced. I was silenced back in March, 2022. Uh, Twitter uh, shut down my account. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough was shut down, Dr. Robert Malone. Uh, when they went on Joe Rogan, they came after Joe Rogan and tried to have him kicked off, um, was it Spotify, I think. Um, so uh, the censorship has been absolutely uh, out of control, uh, but that's changing as well. And you know, now Elon Musk just put out a, uh, a poll asking if um, all the suspended accounts who were suspended for no good reason should be uh, allowed back on Twitter. And right now, I think the poll is running at 75% yes. And we saw he did a poll last week uh, with Donald Trump's account asking mm, if he should awesome. be reinstated. And, uh, you know, that ran at 52% and he brought his account back. So we're seeing a, a turn, um, you know, a, a significant shift in the censorship. The censorship is crumbling as well. Right. You've got this died suddenly documentary by Stu Peters that came out two days ago uh, about the vaccine injuries, the, the blood clots uh, that we're seeing, uh, that the embalmers are seeing these horrific blood clots from vaccinated individuals, the stillbirths uh, that are you know occurring in record numbers. Um, and that documentary has 5.5 million views in two days. So, you know, the, the awareness, the awakening uh, is happening in people. The, the censorship is crumbling. And this presents a, a very unique opportunity for Danielle Smith to walk in and start, you know, tackling some of this corruption in our, our healthcare system, which apparently Jason Kenney couldn't, uh, couldn't deal with during the pandemic. I don't know if it's because AHS had a 
relationship with the World Economic Forum, and they had signed a contract where AHS was going to be one of the World Economic Forum's big partners, and they were going to try all kinds of pilot programs in Alberta, how to save money in healthcare and so on. And Danielle Smith seems to have scrapped that as well already. So there's a lot of hope um, at this time, and it's the perfect timing to make some serious changes. And I think we can. Uh, a question I see there is, do you think if enough Albertans demand it, we can force an inquiry? Absolutely, we can. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 100% we can. Uh, which brings up another point. Keep the pressure on Premier Smith to follow through with her, her, uh, her I don't know if you call it a pledge, but her idea to reduce the threshold for a citizen's initiative referendum. Right now, the the um, the threshold is quite high. It's, I think it might be even unattainable. I think it's 600,000, or no, it would be 300,000 signatures in 30 days. That's a lot of signatures. Now, okay. it might be possible, but it seems pretty unlikely. She said she's going to reduce that threshold. So imagine if we circulated a petition that said um, to the people of Alberta, do you want an audit, an investigation done into Alberta Health Services and where your tax dollars went, where your uh, Alberta's royalty money and, and uh, lottery money went, how it was spent and, and who it went to or something like that. We yep. could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if honestly, she dropped I... that, if she dropped that threshold to say, you know, if she halved it, if it was 150,000 in 30 days, we could do it. Absolutely. And honestly, I believe that there's so much waste at AHS and so much money goes down a black hole and is wasted that if we are able to recover some of that wasted money, think about it. Think about AHS legal. Now, AHS has a legal department that handles, um, you know, hundreds of, of, of lawsuits and legal issues. They've spent, you know, over $5 million in legal fees persecuting me and my family. And they spent a lot um, on me as well. Exactly. And, 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 and on Arthur Pavlovsky, right? Yeah. On Pastor Pavlovsky. So imagine, imagine if Danielle Smith says, wait a minute, we can't have unlimited taxpayer funds going to this AHS legal department that wages war against Alberta citizens. How about I take control of AHS legal, set my forensic people there, and let's see um, how many hundreds of millions of dollars have been wasted on lawyers, on high-priced corporate lawyers. Whenever I show up in courtroom, and I've been in courtroom 20 times uh, in the past several years, you know, I show up with my little uh, my little bag, my little laptop bag, um, and my documents, and I look across and I see a polished corporate legal team, all-star team, that probably must cost tens of thousands of dollars an hour just to show up. Uh, there's always five or six top corporate lawyers there uh, fighting me uh, over things that they should not be allowed to fight me on. I should be treating my cancer patients. Uh, that's what I'm trained to do. That's what I've done uh, most of my adult life. I shouldn't be you know, filing tens of thousands of pages of documents uh, trying to fight corruption against a corporate legal team that has unlimited taxpayer money. So, you know, Daniel Smith could walk in and say, okay, HS Legal, let's see what you guys have been doing for the last five, 10 years. Oh, how many hundreds of millions of dollars have you wasted persecuting uh, Alberta citizens? 
like yourself, like, like Pastor Pavlovsky, we're shutting that down. There, uh, an AHS executive cannot have access to lawyers, unlimited uh, taxpayer-funded lawyers. That is unacceptable. And AHS executives should serve Albertans. It should be a regularly paid job. There's no reason why an AHS executive should be taking home $700,000 salaries. You could get an MBA uh, fresh off uh, university, you know, pay him $100,000 or whatever. And I, I bet you that person would do an infinitely better job than all the lifetime bureaucrats that are sitting there handing uh, multi-billion dollar contracts to their friends. So there's so much money that we could we could get back control of, and that can go to the front line. You know, that money doesn't have to be saved or or removed from healthcare. That money can go back to frontline because we have staff shortages. How about we dissolve the college? put in a, a college that the government controls, and we invite all the unvaccinated healthcare workers who've been abused throughout Canada, throughout the United States. How about we give them a bonus to come to Alberta? Here, have a three-month bonus, a salary bonus, and let's invite, we would be flooded with so many with, healthcare with, workers. With the best, the best so healthcare many, workers. The best healthcare workers that are COVID immune, that have for sure have built up immunity by now, that don't have to be afraid of dropping dead from blood clots or strokes or seizures from their four uh, COVID vaccines. We, we would be flooded with nurses, with doctors from all over North America, heck, all over the world. Um, and we wouldn't have 10 hour, 15 hour wait times. In we could open up all the emergencies across uh, everywhere, across rural Alberta, all the emergency rooms that had to be shut down in small towns. We could have we could bring back obstetrics to every small town in Alberta. I mean, we could literally have the best healthcare in the world if we just got a hold of this corrupt system and get get back control of the money that we're already paying. Like that money, we're already paying it. The the taxpayers are already paying that money. Let's get control of that money back and put it back into the front line. And let's take control of the college so that we can actually. Um, offer uh, the healthcare workers that that have been persecuted and abused, and allow them to come to Alberta and work in Alberta. I, uh, that's like, I can't even imagine what this province would look like if that happened. Like my, there's so many things going through my head right now. Um, the the thing that I'm thinking about the most is a, a doctor, or pardon me, not a doctor, but a nurse or a any healthcare union member who's watching this and like, I would never vote for conservative because they hate frontline workers and they take nurses money away and blah, 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 blah. Well, let me ask you something. What has your union done for you over the last three years? Heck, what has your union done for you over the last 20 years? Sure, they've gotten you cost of living raises, maybe, maybe some benefits, whatever. But I want you to ask yourself, do you really think that what you contribute to your union is benefiting you as much as it should. Like these unions are, they are hundreds of millions of dollars organizations. They have tremendous power influence. And if they really wanted to, they could make your jobs and your job situation better, but they haven't. Why haven't they? Well, how about you follow the money and maybe take a really, really, uh, sit down and think really hard about 
what you want your career to look like. Would you like your employer, Alberta Health Services, to be audited to make sure that money's being used efficiently and it's getting to you when it needs to get to you? Uh, would you like to know if your employer is attracting the best of the best to be on your teams so that your jobs are, are, are you can do your job better and be more fulfilled in your jobs? Ask yourself those questions. What is your union really doing to you, for you? Besides collecting a whole bunch of money and support and putting that behind a government party that really doesn't do anything to benefit you. I think that's that's something people have to seriously consider because the changes we need aren't just changes in government. They're they are societal changes in the way we think about these problems and the and and how we view the solutions. A lot of people think solutions is the solution was electing an NDP government. Well, how'd that work out for you? That uh, when I lived in BC uh, in my teenage years, I remember we had an NDP government in, B, in when I lived in Campbell River. We fought over seven dollar an hour jobs. Nobody could get a $7 an hour job. And when an NDP government got reelected, uh, uh, that was right when I entered the workforce and an NDP government got reelected again. And I thought, what is going on? What is wrong with this? And people said, well, it's the unions. The unions support this because, you know, they scratch each other's backs and I couldn't believe it. So, you know what I did? I, I hopped on a $99 WestJet flight from Comox to Edmonton. I took a cab to Leduc Safety Center, got my H2S ticket, and then I went and did a temp job at Layfield Plastics for a week until I went to work on the rigs. So I could be prosperous. Because I didn't want to do, I didn't want to live like that anymore. I didn't want to live in a province where uh, my future was in the hands of a bunch of corrupt union bosses and corrupt government. So I came to Alberta. <laughs> and then lo and behold, it seemed to follow me here. But we don't have to live like this and we can change these things. And regardless of uh, Dr. Macus or I or, or my position on COVID or vaccines or any of those things, like set all of that stuff aside. Maybe don't even think about whether or not I was wrong or right to open my restaurant or whether or not Dr. Macus was wrong or right to challenge AHS. Ask yourself this, is what he's suggesting uh, in investigating AHS and making them accountable and transparent to the people of Alberta, is that a good idea? And would that be beneficial to everybody, regardless of your position on any of these things? That is quite literally a $49 billion question. Pardon me, $29 billion question. Yeah. And honestly, it, it logically, it makes sense. Um, you know, it, it's, if you think about it, we're already spending the money. Shouldn't we know where that money's going? And if that money is not being effectively used for patient care, shouldn't we try to find a way to to get that money back and put it back into the front line? Because yes. I've always been I've always been supportive of putting the money back into frontline healthcare workers. Let's give nurses better salaries, better working conditions. Um, Rachel Notley is going around crowing about how. The BC provincial government is throwing money at healthcare, how they've raised the salaries of their family doctors by $100,000 a year. What she fails to mention is that BC doctors were grossly underpaid uh, for many, many years compared to Alberta and compared to Ontario. So they're really only starting to catch up 
by putting more money. And again, that's that's fine. That's great. However, now the BC government is putting in Bill 36, which is this draconian bill where um, not only will they mandate vaccinations directly from the College of Physicians and the College of Nurses, so now they will force their healthcare workers to be potentially have to vaccinate, COVID vaccinate every three months to stay up to date on their vaccinations. But now they're making it much easier for any doctor or healthcare worker to be reported for, um, for misinformation, for talking about vaccine injuries and so on. So BC is actually getting much more draconian in terms of their healthcare system. And I would really, um, I don't know if any, uh, you know, fully vaccinated healthcare workers are watching this tonight. But if they are, I would ask, I would ask a simple question, uh, because you know, Rachel Notley has backed the firing of nurses and doctors who were unvaccinated or or not fully vaccinated. And I would ask a simple question: Is our healthcare better today because of it? Is your job easier today because of it? Do you have a much easier time at the workplace with all the shortages, with all the you know, with uh, the 10, 15 hour waits in emergency room with all the canceled uh, surgeries, the surgical backlog, with people unable to get their cancer treatments, unable to get their CTs and MRIs. Are you happier? Uh, you know, this is what the unions supported, right? The Sorry, unions... I have to interrupt you for just one second. I yeah. hear something outside just. Oh, it's uh, healthcare workers from all across Alberta screaming at the top of their lungs. No, things aren't better. That's what it was. I could hear it out my window. Exactly, exactly, and 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 honestly, it, it's it's people can see it. It's we've our healthcare system is much much worse off, um, going the direction that we've gone, and you know this is what Notley has has pushed. This is what the unions have backed her on. Uh, you know why don't we try something a little different? Why don't we try a little bit more freedom, a little bit more medical ethics? Why don't we allow? doctors to practice medicine you know how they wish allow nurses to practice how they wish why don't we remove the restrictions we know that the vaccines don't stop transmission i, I you know that I, I don't think that's up for debate anymore and and we know that um you know the, the vaccines are probably doing a lot more harm than good um and you know everyone's been worse off uh with all these um you know restrictions vaccine mandates and so on why don't we open Alberta up the way, you know, DeSantis opened up Florida. Uh, and why don't we uh, give people the freedom to, you know, to practice medicine how they wish without restrictions, without draconian mandates? And why don't we invite people from all over Canada who've, who've, who've healthcare workers who've been damaged, who've been harmed, and who just want to practice? But this is the thing, is that I just want to practice medicine. I just want to diagnose and treat cancer patients. And yet AHS is willing to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars preventing me from doing so. I am much more useful to society sitting in a hospital in a dark room reading PET CT scans all day, all day and all evening, uh, or treating cancer patients um, in my office all day. I am much more useful to society doing that. Why doesn't AHS allow me to do it? And there are thousands and thousands of nurses and doctors in, in, in the same position that I am. There's doctors buying billboards in British Columbia saying we want to work, but the government won't allow us. Let's make Alberta free for all of these healthcare workers who just want to work. 
And I bet you, I bet you that all these emergency wait times would disappear very, very quickly. Going further than the, the things you said, which are all excellent ideas, why don't we start practicing in, in, the, in the scope of healthcare? Why don't we start practicing the values that made this land a place where people like your family wanted to come to, to be prosperous? Why don't we start practicing those values? Why don't we start acknowledging um, that we enjoy freedoms in this country and just leave it at that? Uh, it's going to take years to undo the damage that's been done. Um, I never in my life thought that I would actually get death threats, but I've, I've got death threats for my views and opinions on certain subjects. And that really drives it home how bad things have got because we've let these things get away from us. We've let the corruption fester. One of the reasons why Jason Kenney didn't do anything about AHS was because Albertans were totally fine to just bitch about healthcare in their coffee shops or the comfort of, the, of their own home and say, ah, oh, they're so wasteful. Oh, why does it have to be like this? But really, you know, when we needed a doctor or nurse, we got one. Wait times weren't too horrendous. They weren't great, but it was okay. You know, so we didn't really, we knew there was corruption. We knew there was waste and inefficiencies, but we didn't take it to the streets because of it. Well, it's time now. It really is time uh, for, for this to happen. And the comments keep coming in about, you know, I was a nurse and I experienced these things and, and all, and these different types of things. But one thing I did want to mention was that there are groups, and I don't know how much success they're having, but there are groups out there who are starting parallel uh, health or wellness groups as a landing pad for people like you, or maybe the you know under-vaccinated or unvaccinated or unjabbed, I should say, nurses and doctors that were let go from HS, so that they can continue to do what they do best, which is serve, right? helping people with their health is a service. And I I don't, I wish I had more information about it, but I do know what's happening. It's happening, especially in the United States. We talked to Peter McCullough a week ago and he mentioned that, oh shoot, what was the name of it? See, I need Carrie for these things. He's involved with, an, actually, if you Google Peter McCullough and uh, alternative healthcare, whatever, it'll probably come up, but they've started this and it's actually a guy from Canada that's spearheading it. So it is happening here and there. And I, I know it's it's kind of messy and it's not as fast as people would like, but it is an option. Uh, but that certainly doesn't mean we don't have to do our due diligence and fix what's wrong with uh, what we have in Alberta, which is Alberta Health Services. I want to address that because, um, you know, there is, um, you can do that in the United States. You can't do it in Canada. And the reason I say that is not because I don't want to see that. I absolutely, you know, would want to see that. But the problem is, is that uh, the college has the ability through the Health Professions Act to get a court injunction for anyone who tries to practice medicine, what they would say without a license, without their license. And then they will use the powers of the police against these individuals the same way that AHS used the powers of police against restaurant owners, cafe owners, pastors, um, you know, um, and so on. So that's the problem that we have to address first, I think, is that these institutions 
uh, have to be either changed or dismantled in such a way that they cannot abuse the powers of the police because they have that access right now and they shouldn't have they should not have the ability to go to court get you know bogus court orders to then use the police as their muscle uh to abuse uh whether it's healthcare workers whether it's citizens um and right now unfortunately they have that ability so I think we need to fix that first mm -hmm. um and then we can look at you know allowing people to have you know alternative um uh, med medical groups or practices and so on uh but what we're seeing is that you know these institutions that have so much power already they're now trying to utilize the police to exercise that power and that's what we have to stop because uh, as people saw the kind of abuses that AHS was engaging in during the pandemic should never have happened in Canada I mean the fact that I saw in my lifetime after having fled a communist country and I saw in my lifetime a Christian pastor being arrested in the middle of the street and being dragged um in the middle of the highway or whatever it was like that's an image I thought I would never see in my lifetime in Canada right you know we're not we're not in communist China we're not in North Korea this is something I would expect to see maybe in North Korea and we saw it here in Alberta in Calgary during the pandemic right what a in Alberta of all places so what yeah. this now here here's here's something that people might find interesting we say all the time we live in a free country well we don't live in a free country a free country has no laws um we live in a free country in, in such that the law is applied equally to all that gives us the uh, uh the kind of i guess it's an illusion of freedom we're we're as free as everybody else around us is now if we had the capability to use the police and say hey uh mr rcmp this person in AHS is defrauding the people of Alberta by using this contractor and getting a kickback please investigate them arrest them and put them in jail if we had equal application of the law uh in that we could do that this would be a completely different story but this is extremely unbalanced those people in those positions of power and authority and and wealth they can use the police against us but we have nobody to call when they are harming us that is not equal application of the law that is not freedom so it has to change one way or the other either they can't have that power or we need to have that power and i'm pretty sure we're never going to have that power so uh, that only leaves one option yeah and i think you know when danielle smith talked about dissolving the college that kind of hits at, at at the heart of this problem you know the college you know being able to destroy doctor doctors and their licenses for speaking up about vaccine injuries or vaccine deaths I mean that's why we can't even find out why the number one cause of death in Alberta is unknown is because any doctor that tries to investigate this unknown cause of death and I mean you know we can certainly guess what that is but any doctor that tries to even investigate this will have their license stripped of them by the college will have their career destroyed by AHS so you know Danielle Smith I think she brought up very important um, ideas uh, during her run um, that some of these institutions that have been so abusive during the pandemic have to be brought under control and have to be either 
we either have to have new leadership or they have to be dissolved. Something like the college, which is a private corporation run by lawyers, has to be dissolved. We're seeing even even today there was a there was a very long a tribunal being held by the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario, and they're persecuting three doctors for just uh, speaking up about you know vaccine injuries, writing exemption letters, and so on. And you see, they had a they had a huge uh, team of lawyers, and you know they're going to strip their licenses. They're going to put them through the ringer. These institutions are completely out of control. Um, so we have to. I think the 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 quickest way to address this is to try to get control of these institutions in the way that no other premier has dared to challenge them in the past. I think Danielle Smith can really make not just a name for herself politically, but she can really, you know, make a difference and, and make her mark in Alberta history um, if she takes on these institutions for the benefit of Albertans. This is for the benefit of all Albertans. Um, if she really takes control of these institutions that are completely, completely out of control. It may, history may say that Danielle Smith has the biggest balls of any premier in Alberta. Exactly. Who knows? Yeah. Well, um, there's a couple questions here in the q and I'm just going to be really quick to deal with. First one is somebody says they're, a tra they're trained in functional medicine and won't use their RN credentials. Uh, and, and do it as a nurse because they don't trust regulatory bodies. They destroy you financially. And that's a very good point. There's a lot of folks who have moved to different sorts of uh, uh, health care, less focused on treatment of symptoms, more focused on holistic health and, and wellness, not just uh, um, pharmaceuticals and surgeries, right? And of course, there's a time and place for those. For sure there are. I mean, there's been times where, and I'll use this opportunity to say, uh, there's been times where I've had to access health services in this province. Um, every time I get a tattoo, I <laughs> I never keep it covered properly and I'm prone to staph infections. So I had to go to the Lacombe Hospital when my arm blew up like a balloon and I had cherries and blueberries growing off it. I thought that I had been involved in invasion of the body snatchers and they were going to take me. So I go into the hospital with my puffed up crazy Christmas tree lights arm and the care that I received in the Lacombe Hospital was fantastic. The frontline workers were amazing. The nurses, it, like the, the orderlies, the nurses, the doctors, every single person that I interacted with in that healthcare facility was absolutely top-notch. And I was so impressed with it. Um, actually, it wasn't that time. It was another time I got a, I, I had to go because I got an infection on my foot. Uh, I actually, and this is in the middle of being open against the restrictions. We held a rally for AHS workers who were going to get fired because they can get jabbed. AHS workers were sending me death threats, uh, saying that I should die and be drug out into the street and shot because of this stuff. But I'm in the hospital and I'm interacting with these folks. And I was so impressed that I actually uh, made a $500 donation in my name and in the Whistle Stop Cafe name to buy the leaves on the trees in the Lacombe Hospital for the Lacombe Hospital Foundation. Now, they never processed it. I did put it in there. I still don't see my name up. But I was so impressed that I actually wanted to donate to that hospital. So this is nothing to say that the, the people we have in these positions aren't amazing, wonderful, caring people. But there are other avenues of medicine that people have for the longest time considered to be quackery. Nutraceuticals is one of them. Um, 
natural remedy, including cannabis, which the government told us for, you know, year, decades, hundreds of years was illegal or bad. Um, there's all sorts of medicine out there that can be accessed without, that's not under the scope of these regular, of the College of Physicians and Surgeons. So that's at least something people can do. Um, and the next thing, somebody mentioned Canadians won't pay for health. Now, of course, yes, I am alluding to a parallel healthcare system that would cost people money because physicians and nurses need to feed their families. So of course they have to get paid. Somebody has to pay them. Canadians and Albertans pay for healthcare. You pay for healthcare. I pay for healthcare. Every man, woman, and child and every other gender in between, or whatever species children are calling themselves these days, if everybody paid the same in this province, they would pay $4,888 per resident of Alberta. That's how much we pay for healthcare. We are in the top quartile, the top 25% cost-wise for our healthcare, and we are in the lowest 25% in quality of service. That is embarrassing. And it's not embarrassing just in if you're an AHS executive. That's embarrassing as an Albertan, as a regular citizen who should have been more involved, more aware, and 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 use their voice about this in the past. That's embarrassing that we let it get to this point. So yes, we already pay for healthcare. So as Dr. Mackis had said, we have to make sure that the money that we're paying is being used efficiently being used properly and we should also have the opportunity to say you know what if you're not going to use our money effectively for that well we're not paying it we're going to go take it over here instead and use these folks who are doing it right honestly Rachel Notley use this uses this um as a political weapon all the time and, and it just drives me nuts because she's lying she's she's constantly lying she always makes it look like that you know Albertans will have to uh, bring their credit card to the hospital to be treated. And that is absolute nonsense. Um, like you said, we're already paying, you know, an insane amount in, in for, for healthcare in taxes. AHS gets something like close to $23 billion. Now they share some of it with Covenant Health, but there's there's half of the provincial budget is already going to healthcare. And, and really it's, it's like I said, if we can get control of the waste and the corruption and all the money that disappears, uh, we would have a completely different healthcare system. And I, I'm very much in support of cutting the administration. We have 10 times the number of administrators per capita, healthcare administrators than, than Germany has, for example, 10 times the number of administrators per capita. So, and we don't have the results. So, you know, I think whenever people hear, you know, Rachel Notley using that as a talking point that, oh, you will have to, you will have American style healthcare and you'll have to bring your credit card to pay for healthcare in the hospital. That's, those are lies. Those are basically political lies that she uses. it. Rachel Notley knows she's lying. Every NDP MLA that says this, they know they're lying. These are political lies that they try to stir up their base and try to get support. We're not. We're not. We're never going to have that. That's never going to happen in Alberta. You know, it, it's it's the money we have. The money for healthcare, we spend obscene amounts of money on healthcare. We just need to spend it efficiently. Right. Yep. Well, um, we're well over an hour, and I was actually going to wrap up with a, a shout out to our 
frontline workers, healthcare, EMS, first responders, service people, you know, military, police, even though I've had bad interactions with them, um, all of the people who choose careers in service of their fellow man or fellow woman or whatever else is in between. I, I wanted to say that um, even though I have positions that you may not like, and if you're one of those folks, I really, I appreciate what you do. And I want to see things better for me, but I also want to see things better for the people that provide those services to us because they have really been caught in the middle of all this. Um, they're stuck between a union that can ruin their life, uh, a government that can, you know, change the outlook for their, their future. And they don't really have a heck of a lot of ways to move and navigate this short of doing what Dr. Mackis has done and putting it all on the line to try and get something changed. It's a very tough spot to be in, um, but I appreciate you. You know, Albertans appreciate you and you as well, Dr. Mackis. Um, you've chosen a career that's been undoubtedly beneficial to thousands and thousands of Albertans. And we thank you for that. Um, if you do want to, if anybody watching, if you want to get a hold of uh, either me or Dr. Mackis uh, with any information about the topics that we've covered in this webinar, please feel free to, uh, you can email me at chris.scott at whistlestoptruckstop.ca. Uh, I think Walter will put that up in the comments. And Dr. Mackis, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, do you have a place where they can contact you? Yeah, anyone can email me at macuswu 79 at yahoo.com. Uh, I answer my emails. I also have a Getter account. It's at MacusMD. Uh, sometimes people contact me on Getter as well. And, you know, if if I'm lucky in maybe in a week, I'll be back on Twitter uh, causing havoc <laughs> uh, on the Alberta politics uh, side and and stirring things up on Twitter. So we'll see. Well, I think another thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to get you down to the Whistletop Cafe so that you can, uh, you know, we can meet in person and and maybe have a meal together. I think that would be a wonderful thing to do. Absolutely. So the invitation is there for whenever you can get down my way. Thanks a lot. And with that, I would like to say thank you for everybody that watched and thank you, uh, Dr. Mackis, for, uh, again, for sharing this information with us and for trying to do something that benefits the people of Alberta. Uh Please remember, folks, that while we all have our differences of opinion on certain subjects, we all see the future maybe a different way. When it comes right down to it, if we work and strive to actually find the truth, sometimes that means following the money. If we take the time and spend the effort to do that and we find the truth, that gives us all a place to begin the conversation about unity. You cannot unify unless you're unifying around truth, because if you do, there's no point. It won't work. So once we get to the truth, to the bottom of all of this mess that we're in, once the truth is out there, now we have a place to start. So that's what I want to see. And I would encourage all of you to uh, um, head in that direction as well. So again, thank you for joining us tonight. And thank you, Dr. Marcus. Uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful evening. And uh, maybe I'll see you at the Whistle Stop Cafe or in Plamondon, Alberta this weekend. Thank you very much.